0: Are you running towards something or running away from something? Either way, will you have the will to see it to the end? We discuss it all on this 32nd episode of Resurrection Reveal.
1: Welcome back for another full discussion, fan feedback episode of your Resurrection Revealed podcast. We're a proud member of Noodle Mix Network and sponsored by our affiliate links at resurrectionrevealed.com/slash Amazon, where you can pick up Jason Mott's new novel, The Wonder of All Things, or anything else on your special someone's holiday gift list. Thanks for joining us for our fan theory and discussion episode for Season 2, Episode 5 will this is an unofficial podcast and blog by and for fans of abc tv's resurrection recorded october twenty eighth, 2014 i am super excited to be with you this week filling in for the awesome wayne my name's al kessel currently the host for a lot of things (laughs) i'm the co-host of the tales from the mouse house disneyland podcast with my lovely wife joyce And we also do a Lost podcast called Lost Flight 815. And I'm one of the co-hosts of the MASH 4077 podcast. And you can find everything about me and everything I do over on Facebook. You can find me at Al Kessel on Facebook or on Twitter at Storyteller Audio Productions or at Tales Podcast.
0: And I'm at Troy Heinrichs. And even though Wayne did ditch me this week for a little vacation away, I have not lost the will to put on the show this week. And I'm really super excited to share it with Al Kessel because he's been a super duper fan, not only of Resurrection, but of the Resurrection Revealed listener podcast himself. So I really appreciate you sitting in this week, Al.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. It's it's a It's a big honor for me to be here with you guys. Well, with you, I mean, Wayne's here in spirit, right?
0: Exactly right. He even sounds like <laughs> Wayne a little bit. Don't you think guys? <laughs> well, as a reminder, everything we talk about this week can be found in our show notes, which you can find over in your great podcast app now pre-installed on your iOS device. If you're going with the Apple crowd, otherwise you can go on over to the resurrectionrevealed.com website and go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash 32 for this week's notes and we'll have a couple links in there. So you're gonna to want to make sure to check those out as well. Well, we start out, Mr. Kessel, with an age-old question. And <laughs> running has never been a big thing for me. I, I hate running. I talked about it in our initial reactions episode earlier this week. You know, running just like Fred said, you go from one point to come back to one point. And I just don't see the purpose of that unless it's truly something we should be thinking about in terms of how the returned are actually kind of looping through their life cycles.
1: Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's actually a good point because I, I think the writers are trying to say something there.
0: Now, really interesting, the relationship between Bellamy and Fred. How do you think that this week showcased their friendship? Are they becoming friends? Are they just coworkers? How do you interpret kind of Fred's warning to Bellamy if you uncover this stuff, you may hurt the ones you love?
1: Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, I think their relationship is, you know, I think it's changing a little bit. I think they started out as friends and then Fred quickly kind of changed his tune a little bit when he started getting really hostile towards, uh, the returned. But I, I do think that, um, I think, uh, you know, a few episodes back, I think he, he kind of lightened up a little bit. Uh, he, he think, I think he changed. I think something happened and, uh, he just kind of, started letting go a little bit and I think that their friendship is maybe a little bit of a reluctant friendship you know I I don't think either one of them they really trust the other completely but I think they want to try and um as as far as you know in this in this past episode I think Fred I, I'm not quite sure if that was altruistic on his part or if he is just Maybe trying to drop some seeds here and there.
0: Is the thing that changed him Barbara, or is the thing that changed him his mother?
1: I think it's Barbara. I think that it was when um, when when Barbara came up to him that night and 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 you know flat out told him, "Look, you know what happened in the past is in the past. I don't want to be with you. I want to be with the, this other old shriveled dude." And um, <laughs> I think that kind of helped him put things in perspective because he had held her, you know, maybe on, on a bit of a pedestal or a throne all those years. And when all that time had passed, maybe he had kind of forgotten certain things. And then when he was faced with her, you know, face to face and she's talking to him about it, I think it kind of brought it all back to that, you know, brought it back up to the surface for him. So I think that's what changed him. I'm not quite sure if his, you know, if his mother did change him, I think it was maybe because it reminded him of how evil she could be.
0: Which you clearly got that perception when you <laughs> got that smack across the face back in yeah. the opener. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I think we forget, too, that when you go back to season one, you know, just this past spring, you know, Fred didn't know about the cheating that was going on. He first learned about it 32 years after his wife passed away. And dealing with that, and figuring out how he resolves that in his own mind, and then to have her come back at the end of the season, and now be at this family dinner, you know, how does he cope with that, and how does he put that behind him to move forward in this relationship? Because it clearly seems like he's already forgiven her mm-hmm. in this this week's episode,
1: right? But you know, and it's always been kind of my uh, theory uh, running around in the back of my head. That he knew. He knew about the the affair back then. And that there's something that we just don't know yet about, you know, the events surrounding her death.
0: Yeah, like did Fred actually push Barbara in because he was so pissed off? Because there was that scene last week at at the dinner table when Lucille turns to Fred and says, don't you think I don't remember what you did? Mm -hmm. Totally open, totally vague, on purpose, I'm assuming.
1: Right, right. Yeah, uh, I think that that's a good possibility that they had gotten into a fight down there. Because if I remember correctly, uh, in the first season, there were there were hints that there was somebody there.
0: And it looked like it was Sam. Right. Trying to help save her after Jacob falls in. Or at least that's what we're led to believe. But is that a memory that we're believing versus actual
1: truth? Exactly, exactly. It could very well be that, you know, they got into a fight, uh, Maybe he inadvertently pushed her into the water and decided, maybe I'm not going to save her.
0: So with cold cases, then in this case of the trucking accident, the potential fire, the potential dam breaking with this flood that supposedly happened when Bellamy and the rest of his family died, if you assume he's still a Thompson child Mm and the end of the day, you know, do you dig up a 50 year old case like this or do you just let it be?
1: I think um, in the grand scheme of things, it just depends on what, what it is. Uh, in this case, I think you dig it up. I think it, it not only, it, it's not only going to solve you know, the, the, this 50-year-old case, but it's also going to solve the circumstances of what's going on right now. It's going to give them clues as to why these people are coming back.
0: I could buy that. I'd totally buy that but then you have the concept of forgiveness and Elaine and Barbara are chatting about that (laughs) in the restaurant. So when you think about Barbara's actions, is there anything so bad that you wouldn't be able to forgive them for it?
1: Well, biblically, no. Um, You know, I mean, biblically there, as long as you're, you're, you know, true in your heart and you really do seek forgiveness, you can be forgiven. But in the case of this, (laughs) you know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I think that, that I really do think that there's nothing that bad, that it cannot be forgiven, at least on some level. What about
0: you? I, I totally agree with you. And as I'm sitting here playing this out, because we still don't know at this point in the episode, right, that mm-hmm. the will to live is the key to disappearing or not disappearing. And as she's explaining this, I keep thinking in the back of my what is Elaine thinking right now? Is Elaine thinking, man, if I could have only gone back and done something differently with my dad, would I have forgiven him? Would he still be here? Do I want him still here? And is she struggling with that at all? Because we didn't see that in this exchange, but you have to wonder if those seeds are being planted somehow, especially when she then experiences the disappearance of Barbara later on in the woods.
1: Right, right, Exactly.
0: Well, then we have Bellamy, and he's now refusing to bring in the government for help. And is this because he's trying to protect his secret from Maggie at this point? Or does he have other reasons why he doesn't want the government involved?
1: I think it's a combination of both. I think he wants to protect his, you know, his dirty little secret. And I think that he knows that if he does bring the government in on something like this, they could have another military incident. They could have another, it could even be worse this time. This time, you know, uh, the woman in black, for <laughs> lack of a better name, uh, brings her troops in and they they shut the town down. They, they if you will, they put a dome over it.
0: I uh, like that. <laughs> Under the dome radio.com for those of you that want to check it out. But yeah, I I, I sit here and struggle because it seems like Bellamy and Maggie get along and it doesn't seem like it's killing him to keep the secret, right? The yeah. secret number one that he told about the bones. number two, that he's a returned because that hasn't been shared yet either. Nope. And so is he afraid that if the government comes in, the government will spill the the returned secret as well as the bone secret? Oh, the without point. a
1: doubt. So
0: very interesting stuff indeed. Now, you already mentioned that Barbara went back to one creepy old guy, <laughs> and I have to ask you is Fred truly blind when it comes to his wife? Because I don't know if you ever heard about this rule. I had to look it up online to make sure I got it right. There's this rule in dating. It's called half plus seven. So basically you take half of the age of whoever you are and then like subtract seven or divide it. And I don't exact remember the exact thing. I have the link to the article about it. We're going to put that in the show notes over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 32. I think it's you take the age of the person, divide it in half, and then add seven years to that number. So if I'm 40, let's say, you would divide it in half as 20, you add seven. So the youngest I should date is 27 <laughs> years old if I'm 40, which I'm not. But um, taking that into account, you know, we have to assume that Barbara, if she's 32 years gone, we assume that Henry is somewhere in his 60s. Fred's probably close behind so that would put let's let, let's give Fred the benefit of the doubt and call him 58 mm-hmm. right for easy math so that would come out to 24 20 I can't do math see 29 <laughs> so Barbara would have to be 36 per this formula I think Barbara's a lot younger than 36 so oh, I it, do too. is it creepy or is it okay because they're technically husband and wife.
1: Um, I think it's okay. I mean, uh, if you want to forget about the fact that uh, she's dead (laughs) technically, um, I think it's okay. Yeah. Because they are husband and wife. Um, even though in that one scene where, um, where she, or he, he lays his head on her lap, I'm thinking it looks like, you know, it looks like grandpa (laughs) laying on the granddaughter's lap in a creepy sort of way. Uh, I still think it's, it's kind of okay.
0: Well, then you have that juxtaposition of their arms laying next to each other. And he literally stares at his hand going, man, look at my hand compared to her hand.
1: Right, right. And, and you know, I, I, I love that scene. Um, it really, it, it kind of spoke a, a little bit to me because it, it's, 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 it gives you kind of a peek into Fred's psyche. So that later on when he's talking to, um, to Maggie and he says that it's okay, we're, we're just friends and we need friends right now. I think he's being honest. I don't think that he's fooled into thinking that he's going to pick up his relationship with his wife where it was, you know, 30 years ago. I think he fully realizes that he's an old man and she's, a, he's, she's technically a young woman. So, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought that was a pretty cool scene.
0: And then when Maggie goes and calls grandma and <laughs> says, you don't have to worry about it. It's something else. And I think that's really telling. What is it? How do you classify it? Jason Mod actually had a really great story in his book, The Return, that the show's based on. And in this case, it was the pastor character going back to his love of his life. He'd been with his wife for so long, like Janine, like Pastor Tom, but yet goes back to this 16-year-old. And you're kind of like, well, it's a little creepy, dude. You're a pastor and she's 16 and, and she comes running up to him like they never were apart. And I wonder if Barbara's that same way, realizing that Fred has changed. And is it for the better of Maggie? Is it for the better of the family that she be with Fred rather than Sam? The question is, does she stay? Right. If, if she doesn't disappear, does she stay with Fred or does she go back to Sam? That's the question we'll never get an answer to. Yeah.
1: Personally, I think she would have stayed. She would stay.
0: All right. I'll buy into it. Now we have Pastor Tom and his new church, uh, New Life Church, as he called it, I believe. Yep. And I had to pause for a moment when he said, let's go ahead and sing for the beauty of the earth, classic hymn in any Christian setting. And I I pulled out a, a couple of the verses here just for understanding. Now, one of the verses says, for the joy of human love, brother, sister, parent, child, friends on earth and friends above for all gentle thoughts and mild. And and this one really stuck with me because of the whole concept of, you know, when you talk about the will to live, you know, isn't that not why we're here as humans on earth is the, the will of the love for a brother or a sister or the will for, you know, caring for your child or caring for your spouse and having relationships and communing in this world that God provided. And why would you will yourself out of that? Nothing has got to be that bad to will that away. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, There's another verse that goes on that says, For each perfect gift of thine to our race so freely given, grace is human and divine, flowers of earth and buds of heaven. Now, granted, very spiritual overtone uh, in this section of the podcast here, but it speaks to this concept of as humans, you know, if we have this gift of life, you know, should we just toss it aside? Should we have this, you know, will just leave our bodies? And is that something we have to think about, you know, and is that what the show is trying to get us to think about as we watch the episode this week?
1: That's a good question. Uh, that's a great question. I think um, in, in a really good way, that that's what this show is good at doing is bringing up questions without bringing up questions that you'll never have answered.
0: Well then, here's the question. Okay, so Margaret tells Bellamy in the conversation that life is a choice for the living and for the returned. So if we go with the hymn and assume that life was a gift, then if life is a choice for the returned, does giving up the will to live as a returned equate suicide? What
1: say you? I say yes. I s- well, yeah. I think I think it's it's. Um earthly suicide. But they're because dead.
0: They're, they're returned. Are they are they human? Is it suicide?
1: I think they're human. I I think that they're well, at least the shells that they're in are human. I think what they're doing is they're they're giving up their flesh. So in a very strict sense of the word, yes, they're committing suicide to the flesh.
0: Okay. If we go with that concept then if Rachel as a human non-returned killed herself originally by driving off the bridge committing suicide because she clearly didn't have the will to live then why was she allowed to come back?
1: <laughs> and and if you could answer that question I think you've got the uh, the finale of this of this series. Because oh, that's exactly well,
0: how I was hoping you were going to
1: answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's I because I, I think I think that is the key to this entire show, this entire concept. Uh, and actually, uh, Carl's brother Mikey, uh, right, Mikey, yeah. um, he he kind of brought that up when he was, and we'll probably talk about that later. Suffering, you know, he said, whoever's making the decision and who comes, you know, back has got a really screwed up sense of of uh, order up there. So we don't know what the criteria is for sending somebody back. Is it to punish them? Like, you know, is mentioned, is it to get resolution on something that maybe they left open when they died?
0: And then you juxtaposition that over to Caleb's dream where he's, or uh, Jacob's dream where he sees Caleb literally disintegrate into ash. And then he starts to disintegrate in ash and wake up. And we have to pose the question of, is this purgatory, a la Lost Season 1? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of Carl and Mikey, then Carl actually laughs at his brother's expense <laughs> about the drugs not being, quote unquote, ready for pickup. But then later on in the episode, he's sitting there almost crying, like worried. Did, does he commit murder? not first degree, maybe like third degree in a sense, because he disappears because in this case, Mikey commits suicide, if you will, giving up the will to continue. And then of course the blood disappears on the pillow, which confirms that he wasn't returned and all that good jazz. If we didn't know already, but does Carl commit murder by withholding something that could help a return person?
1: Mm, that's a good one. That's actually a good question. Um, I think yeah. Uh, I think if you wanna if you wanna go by, well, actually, can the letter of the law even apply here? Uh, but if you wanna go by by the letter of the law, sure. Uh, he's withholding uh, life giving um, medication, so sure he could he could be accused of murder. But you know, I thought about this uh, as I was re-watching the episode when uh, when Carl was was sitting in the kitchen and he's you know got his hands over his ears and he's rocking back and forth and he's crying i'm not quite certain if it's because he's understanding the gravity of his of his decision of what he's done by withholding the the medication i think that it's maybe you know he's had it you know he, he his brother has been obviously screaming and crying and moaning and groaning for hours and he's fighting the urge to give his brother the medication because He knows, I mean, he knows that eventually if he doesn't get the medication, he will just disappear. And I think that's what he wants because let's face it, Mikey's kind of a jerk. All right. He's a big jerk.
0: (laughs) So it is premeditated then in a sense. I think so. I think so. So then the question goes back to the, can Carl forgive himself? Can Carl forgive Mikey for all the crap that Mikey caused? And of course, the big question is what happened
1: to their parents? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, No idea, but obviously something that Carl's responsible for, or at least Mikey's always made Carl feel that way.
0: Yeah, something to ponder. Right. Well, Rachel's sick. Mm. Is the baby
1: sick? Um, No, I think the baby's the cure
0: interesting stem cell blood topics Mm -hmm. now coming into the embryo embryonic research NIH Dr. Ward could come back yeah interesting interesting that's a good thing to keep an eye on I wonder Mm -hmm. and that's the question for Rachel then Rachel I'm assuming does not disappear because she now has the will to continue at least for the baby's sake right the question is does she have the will to continue for Tom's sake after the baby is born
1: That could change. That could be a game changer.
0: Could be. Could be. Now, the bone that Bellamy keeps holding on. I I kept looking at that bone going, man, that bone's really tiny. Wouldn't it be cool if that was a kid's bone? And more importantly, wouldn't it be cool if that was Bellamy's bone when he was a kid?
1: Yeah, but how would he have grown up then?
0: Well, that that was the big question at the end of season one. Do we assume with the cliffhanger of the half moon birthmark on his back that he's a Thompson kid. And if he's a Thompson kid, then you have two speculations. One, he died in the flood, like the rest of the Thompson family returned before they did and grew up a normal life in whatever adoption foster system he happened to be in at that time, which is why he ends up working with kids later on for his job, or he doesn't die in the flood and that bone is his sister's bone, but he finds out he has some DNA patterns shared with it.
1: Yeah, that would be, I I would be more inclined to believe that one than it being him. I think that, I don't know, I I, I think that him finding out that, you know, that, that little bone was his might be a little too much for him.
0: <laughs> well, because you still have that conversation with grandma where grandma's like looking at him like, I know you. Mm-hmm. And I purposely didn't watch the previews for next week. Because I felt like next week is going to be something huge because oh, yeah. Bell, because Bellamy's sick now. And I don't want to see, because if you see Bellamy in the preview, all better and fine. Well, then, you know, the government helped him out or, what you know, you can speculate and all that jazz. So I want to, he's sick. He's, he's down for the count. Mm-hmm. I do not want to know how he gets better until I sit down and watch the episode next week. So I have not seen any previews. <laughs> so I don't know if that bone is his, not his, or what the situation is going to be. The question I was thinking, though, is the clipping on the wall. I don't know if you caught this, but there were two brothers that were injured in a crash, and one of the guys was circled. It was one white guy and one African-American. Are those the two bones owners? Is that a weird? Bone owners? (laughs) The white guy and the African-American? Those are the two guys that belong to the bones? I'm assuming so, but I was just curious why the one guy was circled and the one guy wasn't.
1: Um. Because, well, so how about this? I mean, obviously the government knows about the returned. I don't think when Bellamy went to them or, you know, when, when the first thing first started coming up, I, I don't think that was the first time the government, especially the woman in black, had ever encountered this. This is something that they're familiar with. And it could very well be that they've, they've identified the, this, the one in the circle as being a returned.
0: So then I have to ask the question regarding the government lady, because we can't call her what Bellamy calls her on her phone, because no. that's just wrong. <laughs> but the government lady, she chooses her words wisely. She says, I have no useful information at this time. So does she is she saying that like, I can't help you because I don't really, I don't have a cure. I have no idea. This is, we're still trying to figure this out. Or is it a complete lie misdirection?
1: I think that it's a half-truth. I think that when she says that she has no hel- or no useful information, I think what she means is that she has no information that she could give him that would be of use to her by giving it to him. You know what I mean? Like, if she gave him this information, she would get nothing in return. Mm-hmm. So it's not useful to her to give him this information yet. I think that—I I, I don't think that they have a cure— but I think that they've identified that there's a pattern here that people are returned, they get sick and then they die, but not necessarily, you know, uh, you know, it's just really kind of hard, but I, I think that the government or at least this faction of the government knows that this has been going on for much longer than just a few months
0: Which then begs the question of, is the sickness and the disappearing act tied together? Or is it truly just the sickness is just that it's from 1930s, like polio. Yes. You know, there's no way to combat it because we haven't figured out that it is a strain of polio or something. And because it's just such an awful illness, I lose my will to live and disappear versus them truly being tied
1: together. That's what I think. I think, I don't, I don't, I think the only tie that they, that they share is what you just said, is that they get so incredibly sick, and if they don't get any kind of treatment, then they just lose the the will to live. You know, it's like, I just, like, like um, Mikey did, you know, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. Then he's gone. I think that's the key to the disappearance is that, you know, it kind of reminds me a bit of, um, you know, I hate to mention another show, but Lost. It got to a point where you could identify when a character got to the point where you know, their life kind of started getting back in order and they started straightening things up. You knew, what he's gone. <laughs> he's, that's, that's a sure ticket to deadville. I think it's kind of this way on this show that, that either when they've um, dealt with the thing that brought them back, in other words, if they had unfinished business or whatever that, that brought them back, they address that, they no longer need to be there. So poof, they're gone. Or they lose the will to be there.
0: Yeah, very interesting and very interesting indeed. Now, Maggie and Bellamy had a little falling out. She realizes that Bellamy turned in the bones to the government. But yeah, Bellamy still comes back to her apartment later. I would assume Maggie would have kicked him out at that point. Yeah, Apparently not. She's a better person. And Bellamy starts taking off his shirt, going into the shower, wash off the stink from the day. And Maggie's in there. Question I have is, did Maggie see a bullet wound scar on his chest? Because he covers himself up really quick, like, oh crap, she's going to see my scar. But I didn't see a scar. So did a scar heal? What did you make out of that scene?
1: I think the scar is still there. I just think he moved, you know, he moved quick enough to where we didn't, we didn't get a good glimpse of it. I don't think Maggie saw anything because you know I mean she was in uh too much of a state of uh panic <laughs> you know and uh, shock of somebody uh, bursting in the bathroom on her uh, but i yeah I, I don't think that she I don't think she saw the scar, but I think the scar is still there
0: well, then the question becomes, does he assume she saw a scar, and is that why Bellamy now seems like he's going to spill the beans that he's returned before the phone call comes in?
1: part of the reason I think I think that. He does, maybe there's a part of him that assumes that she saw it and was, you know, eventually she was going to ask about it. And I think that he's gotten to the point now where he, because they talked about honesty, you know, and and she said, you know, I know you better than, you know, you don't know me, that kind of stuff. And I think he kind of wanted to get, he's, he's at the point now where he wanted to open up to her and say, look, I have been doing this for the government. And oh, by the way, they shot me through the heart and killed me.
0: So then if Bellamy is going to open up to Maggie, why does he run away when he finally does get sick? Well, is he, I'm assuming he drives down that road. It looked to me like that road was the same road that the helicopters picked him up on. And maybe it's their, their safe spot, if you will. Mm -hmm. Come out here, we'll help you out. I'm assuming he's going there to get help from the government lady.
1: Yeah, I I don't necessarily, well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think he is, he's going there to get help uh, or trying to go there to get help. From her, but I don't think it's just, you know, a selfish act. I think he's, he wants to help Maggie now because Maggie's starting to take this sickness personally because it's starting to spread in her, what is he, her uncle? <laughs> Jacob? Right. Yeah.
0: Or, yeah. Or Jacob. Yeah. Once he starts getting sick as well. Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he wants to help her. And that's why he rushes out. I don't think he rushes out to, you know, To hide anything. But yeah, I did get frustrated when that... You knew that phone was going to ring before he had a chance to say something.
0: Well, and then if you think about it logically, like you're saying, is he running to get help for himself to help Maggie? Yes. Or is he running to get help for himself to get help for himself? Because he's already done one selfish thing this season so far.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he'll do another selfish thing till the end.
0: (laughs) Well, then we think about this line... That Margaret shares with Barbara on the park bench. She says, You can't change the past. That's silly, right? Only the future. Is that a clue? Is there a future? I mean, you, like you said, you hate to compare it to Lost, right? But she mm. had flashbacks, flash forwards. Is there a future spin to this?
1: Uh, I just don't know. I just. I don't know if she meant the, you know, meant it meant it in that kind of a literal way or if she meant, you know, there's nothing that we could do about what happened in the past. But the decisions that we make now can change the future. So, in other words, stop being with Fred and they can go back to being happy. And I mean, look, what, like she said, um, look at Maggie. She turned out really well. She's a doctor now and you weren't even in her life. So maybe that's what she's trying to say. She's trying to kind of give her those little clues that, or I should say that nudge, saying that they don't need you, so leave.
0: Let's be clear. Grandma shoved her off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> it was no nudge. It was a, you know, here you go. I'm going to put my foot in your butt and you're going down. That's right. Oh, man. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And again, this is one of these things This show makes you think about, you know, the future is not written in stone. So if time travel were possible, could you travel to the future? And then the answer, I think, is no. It doesn't exist.
1: Right. I agree.
0: You know, and then, you know, borrow from Stephen King and the Langoliers. And, you know, the past is there, but there's nothing in the past. The Langoliers eat it all up. So changing your past is pointless, too, because your choices are your choices. We are who we are as humans. We can learn We can grow, we can adapt, but that's all based on experiences. So who we become in the future is still based on experiences we have yet to encounter ourselves.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Really deep stuff this season. I'm really liking the season so far.
1: Oh, so am I. I am. My wife and I are totally hooked.
0: And if you're watching it saying it's too slow, it's it's not delivering, it's boring, you're not watching the show for the right reasons.
1: Exactly. I think it's moving at a perfect pace. They don't give you too much and they don't give you too little.
0: Yeah, ratings for this show, I don't think, I mean, ratings have to be the case because it's on a network, and that's what they do to make money, but you know, it, there's something about the book, number one. If you haven't read Jason Mott's novel, The Return, highly recommend you do it. It's not going to spoil the TV show for you. Uh, we're completely off the reservation when it comes to that. You can get it at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon, and I, I highly recommend you spend time with it because if you understand Jason Mott's side of why he wrote this story in the first place and then watch the show, you have a completely different perspective, a different appreciation for what I think Aaron, Michelle and Tara are trying to do with this story. It's supposed to be an uplifting story in the end. Granted, it doesn't seem very uplifting right now, but in the long run, I really think it's supposed to make you examine how you would interact with your fellow human race on a day to day basis. And I know it's, it, I've done some things differently because of the show.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And the one thing, when you think about Michelle and Tara and Aaron and the things that they've set up, I really love the fact that they did the Caleb disappearance in season one showcase that his blood also disappeared. It's like setting up the rules, right? Right. Good sci-fi television. And if we could call this sci-fi, you know, sci-fi television has very specific rules that you have to follow And if you set those rules up correctly and execute on those rules, it's good sci-fi. And I love the fact that they specifically showed Mikey coughing up his blood on the pillow and then boom, it's a completely clean white pillowcase. Mm -hmm. And then of course the validation that Barbara was gone by going to the blood vials, really great that they set that up in season one and not just did it with Arthur Holmes in season two because you'd be like, well, why did Arthur disappear? That doesn't make sense.
1: Right, right.
0: You know, great, great setup. I love it. So the last question for you, Mr. Kessel, before our ratings—the <laughs> shushing at the end. No one likes to be shushed. Is she shushing Jacob because don't tell anybody that I was out late, or is she like, I know you can read my brain, boy, and you better keep your mouth shut?
1: I think it's the latter. Yeah, I really do. I think that that uh, I think that 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 she and Jacob have. Uh, I, I mean, o- obvious. <laughs> close relationship b- besides the the actual physical relationship, um, a familial uh, relationship. But I think that there's a, a deeper connection between the two of them. And I think he does know what's going on with her. He knows what she is really and what she's capable of. And I, by the look on, you know, it kind of looked like Jacob had a, a, a disappointed look on his face when she came in and looked up at him. He just kind of had that, that, I know what you did, and I'm not really happy about it look on his face. And I think that's why she said, Shh, don't tell anybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, and he, he was excited to patch things up with Barbara, say his piece. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to say, I'm sorry I didn't save you. So he has this affection for Barbara. But at the same time, his face didn't show like he was overly concerned. Because if you really cared about Barbara, you would have been a little bit more get up off your feet, come stomping down the stairs, be the defiant Jacob that Jacob's been to Lucille these mm-hmm. last couple of episodes. So it's almost like he's trying to process like, why is this going on? And is this part of the plan? Is there a plan?
1: Yes. I think there's a plan.
0: Well, the writers sure know there's a plan. They say, they have it all mapped out. I believe them. I think this has been a really exciting season so far. Um, you're the guest. So I will yield the floor to you to let us know how you feel about Will this week.
1: I love it. I, I thought it was a great episode. And um, I, I thought it had, uh, you know, I, I kind of gauge uh, a TV show, uh, especially an episode, by the, the fact that when when the end comes of that, you know, specific episode, if I'm like, no, no. And that's exactly how I was with this episode. I did not want it to end. I just wanted it to keep going and going and going. This show has me hooked, I would have to say, very, very close to the way Lost had me hooked. I mean, it's, it's that good of a show, I think. And, and I think that the writers are doing a wonderful job of dishing out information without going too far. And I think it's great.
0: Well, I gave it nine out of 10 creepy disappearing acts. (laughs) I I actually started out with an eight. And then like you said, I I sat on it. I watched it a second time and I'm just like, man, I I can't stop thinking about this concept of the will to live. And, you know, did Barbara commit suicide? You know, is that, is that something, you know, did Mikey commit murder? Like how do you struggle with these questions as a human and you know what's right and wrong, at least most people do know what's right and wrong. And, and how do you, do you cheer for Carl because he's finally rid of that, you know, awful brother of his, or do you go, Carl, man, what is your problem? Why did you do that to your fellow <laughs> brother? His family, as Margaret would say, Yeah, you know, it, it and struggling with questions and thinking, I think that's what makes it totally awesome because if you can't get it out of your head, yeah then this is what makes you come back
1: every week. You want to know what's next. It does, yeah. Uh, So I guess on my schedule, I would give it a 9.5 out of 10 manipulative grandmas. Mm,
0: Manipulative she is. Man, her choice of words. Yeah. (laughs) Michelle Fairley. Just so glad she's on the show this season. Oh, yeah. She was
1: great as, as, as Lady Stark on the Game of Thrones, and she's equally as great on the other end of the spectrum here.
0: Oh, yeah, and she was even... Awesome. I think as the evil uh, villain on 24 live another day, you know, creepy mom, just pushing her purpose through. And here we go. Creepy mom slash grandma pushing her purpose through. So she plays it to a T. It's awesome. Yep. Well, the resurrection reveal podcast is not done yet. We have the exciting fan feedback section and that's coming up right after this. Well, we love getting the theories and thoughts from all of you. There are a few ways you can do that. Participate, of course, in the Resurrection Facebook groups. There's actually three of them out there, one specifically for the East Coast viewers, since we like to talk about spoilers as the show goes on. So you can go ahead and check those out. Just search for Resurrection on Facebook. And of course, you can head over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash Facebook and like our page and stay up to date with things on the podcast. Of course, you can always take the good advice of Larry King and follow
2: at Resurrection Pod
0: over on Twitter, or visit our feedback page at resurrectionrevealed.com/feedback. And of course, the Reshead voicemail line is always open at plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine, where we go for our first piece of feedback this week from longtime listener Mr. Jeff Gentry.
2: Hey guys, this is Jeff Gentry, X Force Eleven. So, Grandma Langston is like the return whisperer, meaning she can whisper them to death, getting them to give up and let go. The rest of them are not going to give up. I mean, Marty's not going to give up, but this sickness, that throws a monkey wrench in there. And how, I mean, if they die without giving up, can they be returned, they return again? I just don't know. Um, this episode did answer some questions, but, man, it just, oh, I don't know. It's just hard because, of you know, there was so much happiness there, and then Grandma Langston comes in and snatches it all away. Oh, gosh, I feel sorry for Maggie. Um, well, thanks, guys. look forward to hearing what y'all have to say. Bye.
0: Thanks so much, Jeff, for that call. Interesting thoughts as always. You know, Jeff calls into a lot of shows. I don't know how he can watch so much stuff, Al.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wish I had that kind of time.
0: Uh, and then he's calling into the podcast. So he's got he's to watch the shows, call in, and listen to the podcast. It's crazy. Yeah,
1: it is. Maybe he's got a time tuner.
0: Oh, that'd be... Is it going back in the past? Is it going yeah. to the future? Has he returned in more than one body?
1: Uh, We also had some email come in this week, did we not? We did. We did. The first one came from Aaron, who wrote an email to us. He says, this is my theory as to why Margaret Langston, Jacob's grandmother, felt that she knew Agent J. Marty Bellamy. When Marty introduced himself to Jacob's grandma, she said that he seemed familiar. My theory is that the reason he is familiar would be since she killed him with the gang, the group that killed the man with the limp. This could also be true, as on the old newspaper, it showed a picture of a figure with dark skin who was killed in a trucking incident, which we know there is something more than a trucking incident, as the man with the limp was hanged. Maybe Marty died as a baby in the river with his family, came alive, was killed by Jacob's granny, and came alive again, then killed by the government and returned yet again. Awesome theory.
0: Yeah, really great theories. I didn't even think about the fact that maybe he did die as the Thompson son as a child. When he does come back, then he grows up, and then he does die when grandma's a little bit older to be able to remember him. Because if he's still a baby when he dies, how does grandma really make that connection? I mean, you don't forget that you know your son, like Lucille, right? You know it's Jacob right away. Mm-hmm. But in the case of Margaret, would Margaret really remember Bellamy as young Bellamy or would she remember Bellamy as adult Bellamy?
1: Or unless maybe they have, you know, like in the Highlander, there's a there's a sense you can sense them.
0: That's true. Hopefully we don't have to take off any heads, though, to make things (laughs) come around. Lucifer Jr. was back on our website this week commenting over on the initial reactions episode over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 31, and Lucifer said that in his opinion, he wasn't super wowed by this episode. Normally, after watching a Resurrection episode, I'd be like, did it just, what the, hey, but, oh, this one was just kind of, okay, next episode, please. I'm still glad Elaine is getting more and more script, and she's now part of the quote-unquote team. I guess, but where is Ray? Ray, come on, stop lurking. Show up right now. Let's go. The uh the episode also made me sad and feel bad for Maggie and Fred. A home they always wanted and dreamed about and hoped for is now gone. She is gone. She let go. She disappeared. Why did she ever believe her psycho mother in law in the first place? <laughs> I also so hate the grandma now more than ever. Very manipulative, very strong, very evil. I have a crazy theory that Rachel's son is going to be the son of Lucifer. No, 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 not me. I mean like the real Lucifer, especially when she was dreaming about being in hell or the fire, or maybe she was just remembering being home and because the baby's growing so fast. Mark Hildreth actually mentioned about a situation that would turn the show on its head. Could the child be just that?
1: Very, very interesting thought. Very interesting thought.
0: Now you're set. Sa- you said that the baby would be the miracle blood cure for this mm. sickness. Lucifer's saying it's the devil incarnate.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I I would like to see that. Well, here's something just to throw a monkey wrench in the, in in the works. Maybe grandma's not evil. Maybe maybe grandma is when she when she told Barbara, "I know why we're here." Maybe it is to get past something and she actually helped Barbara move on.
0: Mm. (laughs) Not knowing what the greater good is, which goes back into the other question of life. You know, do we question motives because we don't know what the plan is in the end? We know there's a plan. We just don't know if the plan is up or down or sideways or what have you. So yeah, yeah. Interesting thought. Is grandma really working for the good of the family? The family in this case being all of Arcadia.
1: Yeah. Or all of mankind.
0: Oh, yeah. Because Jason Mott's book does go beyond the borders of this small town. Yeah. Good point. Well, lastly, this evening, Ray is back, and Ray said that Will gets a 9.8 from that's Res Head. That's Ray. Ray's the Res Head. Uh, Michelle was awesome, of course, this week. Yes, she was. Definitely great. Uh, I still believe that we are seeing Jacob's past from my previous theory, back from the time that he disappears in Mott's novel. It's all in the past, as Margaret said, and there's only death, as Caleb said last season. Margaret proves she's a force to be reckoned with when, to her displeasure, Barbara actually makes strides in mending her relationship with Fred and Maggie. We see how she handles the situation with Barbara. Her actions aren't a sort of power... They are Margaret's dominant personality, the same as in her past life playing itself out. The returned were disappearing before she came back and in the past before she knew how to make them go away. I believe there was an epidemic in the past, like the one hitting the return now. The government came to Arcadia to handle things and set it up in the Langston factory and something went terribly wrong. People were killed and there was a cover up, the truck accident, if you will. The government attempted to cover up the incident by destroying the old dam and ended up wiping out the town in a flood. Since the government was set up in the Langston factory, the family name was then disgraced. The government fears that one of the returned will actually reveal what they did to the public and is currently holding the returned in a camp. The returned released back to Arcadia are probably those connected to the factory in some way. The government, the elegant woman's organization, if you will, would like to get rid of them, and has probably infected them with this virus from the past. We still don't know what caused the return to come back or what caused the first epidemic. Jacob won't disappear, as it looks like in the preview, because this is all in his past. He's here to the end, just like he was in Mott's book.
1: Wow. (laughs) That is a very, very well-thought-out theory.
0: Yeah. Could the government be behind it the whole, we, I mean, we've always said that, right? Yeah, It's always government conspiracy because it's not aliens, right? Aliens don't exist, even though Ray still thinks it's aliens, but.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that for a long time too, that they were, you know, like, it was like invasion of the body snatchers. But uh, wow, this, this is an, uh, Ray, that, that's an awesome theory. And I, I like that idea that the government is behind this all and, and that this virus is something that the government cooked up.
0: And they mentioned the flood in two rivers last season, wiping out the two towns downstream. So is that possible? Is that exactly what happened? They said, we got to put this to bed, wipe them out, clear it out. Let's go. Damn goes. And yeah, really interesting. I like it. Yeah. Man, they make me think now all week.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Sunday can't come fast enough. Come on.
0: Well, yeah, great stuff this week. Thanks again, all the resheads for submitting their feedback and theories. Again, resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback is where you can get all the information on how you can get your theories in here to the podcast.
1: Resurrection Revealed is not affiliated with ABC Television or Plan B. As an unofficial podcast, we do have periodic costs for the website URL, MP3 hosting, and stuff like that. Would you consider supporting our fan podcast in a couple of ways? First... Do all of your Amazon shopping through our affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com/slash Amazon. Second, you can donate directly to the show. Invest in making Resurrection Revealed even better going forward. You could donate once in any amount you'd like, or even sign up for an ongoing monthly donation amount. Just see the donation area on the right side of the website.
0: Third, keep connected with us. As Larry mentioned, make sure to follow Resurrection Pod on Twitter. And be sure to follow our personal accounts as well. I am at Troy Heinrichs, and Al's Twitter is... At Tales Podcast. And, of course, at Wayne Henderson to follow Wayne. Lastly, leave a review for us. Even if you listen elsewhere, like Stitcher or iHeart or any of those places, head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash iTunes. Drop us a note. Let us know that you love the podcast. But more importantly, let the other fans know which theories you think are totally rad because we want to give them feedback, too, because without them, the show just is not possible. Plus, it helps the show get a little bit of exposure so other people can come in, which, of course, means more great theories. But most importantly, subscription, subscription, subscription. You need to subscribe to the podcast so that way you do not miss an episode in the feed. You can do that a few ways. We got a bunch of links up on the top of resurrectionrevealed.com, iTunes, Stitcher, as mentioned, TuneIn Radio, iHeart even. Wherever you can find a podcast, there we will be. Now, don't lose your will to survive, as we will be back next week. But until then, thanks for taking time out of your day to spend it listening to our show. From
1: all of us here at Noodle Mix Network, I am Troy Heinrichs. And I am Al Kessel. Until we return again, see you next time on Resurrection Revealed.
0: Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx, especially the Once podcast. If you're already watching Resurrection, you should be watching Once Upon a Time right before it at 8 Eastern and Pacific, 7 Central, and then listen to Once, the unofficial podcast and blog and forum with theories and talk about ABC's Once Upon a Time. All this and a bunch more of great content is waiting for you all over at noodle.mx.